Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Lux Files. I'm Sean, your host. And with me today, I have a really great friend of mine. Uh, his name is Matt, and he is the face of the Mudutu effect. So everyone, welcome, Matt. Hello. Hello, my friend. How are you? Oh, just keeping busy. I mean, yeah. during this COVID times, you wouldn't think you would be, but this is an opportunity. Yeah, I've been so incredibly busy um, throughout COVID, busier than I actually, like busier than I thought possible. Um, you know, but like with my business, like not the podcast, because the podcast is new, but with the candles, the incense, the oils, like with Lay Logan's Alwyn, um, it just exploded. The business just exploded uh, last spring. Uh, last April, and I've been um, run off my feet ever since, which is a double-edged sword because it's like, okay, I definitely need to hire someone, but I can hire someone because we're in the middle of a pandemic and I work out of my house and it's a big room. Like my, like I do all of my work and I'm in my virtual room right now and I do all of my work um, in here and it's like a 18 by 18 uh room so i mean it's not small but still like i can't have anyone with me this is the but this is the time that i need someone with me but also at the same time like we're completely shut down like my province is completely shut down nothing is open except for pharmacies and grocery stores really so if i'm going to be this busy now's the time to be this busy because there's absolutely nothing else to do so it's kind of like damned if you do damned if you don't because i need help i can't have help well, it also gives, but you know, doing it yourself, you get a chance to fine tune the process. So when you do bring someone in, you know, you have the process already laid out, you know, exactly how you want it. You know? Yeah. But I mean, I've also been doing this since 2014. So that process True. is pretty much set. You know what I mean? So it's like, just give me, give me those two jabs so mm -hmm. I can get someone to, mm -hmm. me so I can actually have like a day off, you know? Um, I, I took um, a lot of time off this weekend, uh, which is so unlike me, but it's just like, you know, you just don't have a choice uh, sometimes. Like, it, it just doesn't matter how busy I am. Um, it's just like, I got to stop, you know, yeah, but I, yeah. I, I didn't do very much this weekend. Yeah, because usually, you know, if we're not making items, you know, downstairs and, you know, whatnot, of course, we have the medias and then we have the uh, uh the community efforts and all these different things so it seems like as soon as you go okay i'm caught up with stock oh wait i gotta get caught up on this yeah oh, no hang on i gotta get caught up oh wait there's a you know so it seems like it's a never-ending cycle uh jared who helps me downstairs often says over and over do you sleep you know so <laughs> nope no, what small I what small business owner sleeps? I haven't met one, you know. Oh, but yeah, it's to keep busy is uh, well, I got it. I'm like the whole proverbial story, yeah, uh, story behind the shark. You know, they got to always keep moving. Yeah, and because if I sit still, that's actually more dangerous because my brain starts engaging, and I'm like, oh, what if we do this, and what yeah, if we yeah, do that? Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I hear you. I think small business owners, I think we're really fundamentally all the same, you know, regardless, like it can be completely, completely different businesses, but I think small business owners really are the same fundamentally 
because like I said, I didn't do very much uh, this weekend. I I, I want to launch some new, because I haven't launched any new stick incense in a while. So I've been um, developing some, some new formulations for stick incense. So, you know, I tinkered around. Yeah, I tinkered around mm -hmm. that a little bit. But if I sit still, um, even if I'm reading and even if it's a really good, really engaging book, my mind still starts going it's like oh what if I do this what if I do that and then all of a sudden just like I just in my head just launched another 200 products and <laughs> where's the space and where's the time you know it's like I got to get up and do something so I'm not thinking about you know launching a whole new range of products and that's why I enjoy writing music because it kind of gives me a break from everything because I can mm -hmm. completely zone out I mean, it's no different than doing like a meditation or a ritual. Yeah. You can kind of separate that immediately. And, but when I'm writing music, I shut the world down. And yeah. So I have to, I mean, it's, it's therapy. We call it therapy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It absolutely is, though. You know, those, those creative pursuits. Um, you know, I, I make products pretty much all day every day and you know it's creation it's it's you're creating and that's great and everything but it's the same thing all the time and it's creating for other people which is wonderful but it's not creating just for the act of of creating and it's not creating anything for you and I recently made myself a new lotus wand and I had forgotten how nice it was to create something just for myself or again create just for the sake of of creating and you know it was so meditative and it was so relaxing and healing it was therapy like that was a year's worth of therapy just in that week that it took me to make that wand mm. it was glorious it was, oh, it was so glorious that's why uh i think when like for example when i'm making the black salt downstairs i kind of go overboard with it you know yeah you don't really have to do this but i like sitting outside in the backyard and i'll have the kettle and i'll put like the vervain the witch's grass and everything into a pot and burn it down to an ash mm. to, yeah it's it's for other people but it's also for me because yeah. yeah um and you can relate to this because you're you're making a product and you're putting your intent into it and yeah you don't because if you cut corners the customer will never know but you will know and that drives you absolutely batty so when i'm doing the the black salt uh i'll take you know the a little cauldron outside and uh, okay yeah i'm not using a fire pit i'm using a torch but right. <laughs> i'll melt you know burn it all down to ash and then i'll bring the ash inside and then i got a mixing process but i only do it during a waning moon and all these other uh traditional aspects but is it needed probably not but for me for my sake yeah i have to do it that way yeah know? yeah but it's yeah yeah no i completely understand because like when before i start making my products and like i said i'd make them in my um i have uh two altars i have like my ceremonial altar and then i have my working altar where i make all of the products or like I do my tarot readings or whatever and um, all in my ritual room and I go through like the whole ritual you know opening ritual processes and whatnot and I do I have to do that no mm -hmm. but it's but 
I know it, it, it will make the products a little bit better, a little bit more effective, but I think I do it more for me because I do like that ritual process. And um, I, yeah, I just, I couldn't see myself just, you know, like getting up and being like, oh, I'm just going to throw these ingredients together and, and throw it in the, the packaging and, and call it a day. I like right. that, that more, um, that more uh, ritualized um um deliberate process when making the product well so the, I, other, I hear you i get it you know the other end of the, the spectrum is the buyer you know the the patron they if they're a practitioner they know when they pick it up they know yeah and whereas you know someone coming off the street and they're a seeker and you explain to them the process that you take and you even, you know, I've, I've done it before. It may not be necessary, you know, but this is how I do it. Yeah. Um, uh, they appreciate the extra effort that goes into it. And, Absolutely. But a practitioner, when they pick it up, always I've seen their faces, you know, like, okay, this is being done right. And, yeah. you know, and, and by their book. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's, I mean, I've, my, my gesture candles downstairs you know my covid inspired candles which is the finger it's <laughs> there's no ritualistic process to that it's just throwing these out there to make everybody laugh and yeah. you know or they can write anybody's name on it put it on their desk you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i like that i think i have a few politicians that need to be on that <laughs> yeah no kidding you can see, you could start sending them gifts. Yeah. You know, here you go. <laughs> Enjoy. No, I already put, I already put your name on it. It's all good. <laughs> well, there was I did this um, pseudo ad and uh, for the Medutu shop downstairs because you know the Medutu effect is the Medutu shop, the university. There's uh, the magical practitioner group. There's you know so many different aspects and the SOTG where we investigate. Uh, paranormal theories and so i was doing a commercial ad just for the shop and right. i was doing pretty much exactly what we were saying you know these are all made with intent i'm being all serious but there's also that aspect where you may want to just grab a candle and I put it right into the camera and say f you <laughs> and uh of course you know i got told you can't post that so I didn't post it. <laughs> you want to bet? Watch me. Watch me. <laughs> Click. <laughs> I get told every once in a while, I'm just like replay just to make myself feel better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I, I go with my instincts when it comes to stuff like that, like that self-promotion and, and, you know, you, you can do stuff that, you know, isn't like traditional advertising, like, oh, you, you know, like you can't have that in a commercial type, type of idea, but, you know, like, but that's not what I am and that's not what my business is. And, you know, um, I'm going to make people laugh while also still having them recognize that it's a serious product. People are going to oh, love it. People, you know, it's not so staged and, and, contrived and you know like oh, no. All right. well this is the occult like come on well that's why we started doing the perceptive exchange because 
Jared and myself are bantering that goes back and forth in the shop. And we're usually insulting back and forth. Okay, mostly it's him insulting me, but um, it's either height, age, or the length of my nails. But um, uh, so when somebody overheard us and said, you should put this on the Medito effect. Yeah. And, uh, and it's been a huge hit uh, just a hearing a couple of people ranting and raving and talking about magics and but bringing in the humor side of it we so we can kind of bring our is going back to what we said before it's kind of taking a break and yeah. we can make fun of not only ourselves but you know the things that go on and um like now i can laugh about the uh kid that accessed one of the cameras uh i was wow. in the middle of ritual and usually as a practitioner, we get excited when we hear a voice. <laughs> but unfortunately, this was some punk kid that uh, accessed a camera's speaker and started shouting, you know, sounding out obscenities and things like that. But now That's it's hilarious. <laughs> now it's funny. Yeah. At night, I was pissed. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and I'm thinking, you know, it's like everybody's made the comment, what kind of idiot does that? You know, access to camera, oh, there's a ritual going on. I think I'm gonna have fun, you know, but it technically they broke the circle. I mean, (laughs) but how would like how would he have been able to access the speaker? Let's see here. Well. Uh, all the cameras here have two-way communications on them. So, uh, like, uh, I have a camera in the main hall, um, and then there's a camera in the store, and we just installed one to the back. And uh, But all of them have two-way communications, so we can listen and speak to someone. So, like, we actually have signs up when you come into the main door that says, library this way, store this way. And you'd be surprised at how many people get lost and uh, between only two directions. Mm-hmm. So that time, wouldn't surprise me at all, actually. <laughs> so there's been a few times where we had to activate the speaker and say, if you go to your left, you know, you can go downstairs to the store area. Um, but, or, you know, if you're looking for the library, I'll be right up and I'll give you a tour and let you know where it's up, you know. So, but we have the everything in the production area all the monitors so we can see everything mm-hmm. and um and you know for the most part it we've only had to use the speaker once but unfortunately this kid was like hey i'm gonna mess with this you know dirty old wizard you know walking around in circles and <laughs> so but he was able to access the camera like he's sitting at his house correct actually the wi-fi feature on it was um is short range so he had to be actually sitting outside with his cell phone and accessing it. So oh, how interesting. If huh. I thought about it, I would have put on full regalia and went outside. You know, I mean, we're talking full on Gandalf. I would have just had a field day, but I was so anger, you know, angry. Yeah. And so I just immediately closed everything out and shut the network down. But it's uh now it's a it's a giggle moment, but yeah. I, that night, I haven't. I, I was red faced for days. <laughs> funny. Oh my god, that's hilarious! I love that story. That is so funny. Um, that yeah, I no, I, 
I I think it's so funny because I would have that same reaction. Like I would be pissed. Like, and I know myself with my temper and how um, intolerant I can be um, with stuff like that. So I I know how furious I would I would have been. Um, and that's why I think it's so funny because I know like how negatively I would have reacted to that at the time. Here's the, the funny part, and I'm not bragging whatsoever. It could have been a coincidence. It could have been however it may be. I'm just stating the obvious. Um, reach your own conclusions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I was standing in the circle. He's still speaking to the speaker. And uh, just at a closing, and I shouted out, this circle has been violated. The, sanct- the sanctity of the circle has been violated. Shut him down. And all of Milestone Power went out immediately right after that. Wow. Only, only for a few minutes, but it was, uh, so I'm like, thanks. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then Jared's living right down the street, and I sent him a message right away going, sorry about that. <laughs> so, but it, fortunately, when the power went out in the town, and to point out whether it was, because of a circle or not, uh, this area is prone to quick power outages. So, right. You know, well, once again, reach your own conclusion, but uh, it knocked the networks down long enough for me to get everything secure. So it was, you know, I was just like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. So we kind of, um, I mean, you know, I, I try to have these conversations as organic as possible. So, you know, that that's great. That that's how we we led into it. But um, as uh, everyone is beginning to learn with my podcast, because uh, it's still a new podcast. I mean, you're going to be, I think, you're my fifth or fourth interview. Fourth. So still very new. So um, all of my my listeners and viewers um, are probably getting the idea by now that the whole concept is is having conversations, um, the, the guests telling their stories, um, you know, like their 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 magical spiritual journey. And I like to start like right from the beginning, like um, that you know like that kind of like ding 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 moment that, you know, something that happened, some sort of experience that kind of led them on their path. So um, what was that? Did you have that, that like one ding, ding, ding? Now, every time I ask that, everyone's like, well, it wasn't one, it was a series of things that led up to this. Mm-hmm. And that's what set me on the path. But so, you know what I mean? Like, like those, those seminal experiences or moments that, kind of set you on this path i'm going to give you uh an aspect and what set me on the path um the the influencing aspect was my brother was 17 years older than me and he was a practitioner so and he was heavily into hermetics and so always growing up you know i got to learn more about the sephirot or you know yeah anything along those you know those paths but it was done in passing conversation it was never a this is what you should do or anything like that you know i kind of grew up the same concept you explore your own path you define your own path but uh when i was 13 i found uh, a book 
and I decided I'm going to sneak out at two o'clock in the morning in Mobile, Alabama, um, and form a circle and do everything by the letter by in this book. Do you remember what book it was? Um, it's down here somewhere. Uh, I still have it. Uh, oh, cool. No, excuse me. But it was uh, Goetic by nature. Okay. And uh, uh, so I... <laughs> I did this circle, and it, you ever seen the movie um, Doctor Strange? You know, Actually, no, I haven't. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a line in the movie that is so true. It's the only line that stands out to me, and it says, "Why do they put the warnings at the back of the book?" <laughs> uh, but so here I am, 13 years old, mm -hmm. um, in this field. And also, I'm going to kind of set the stage. Two o'clock in the morning, uh, the fog starts rolling in from the Gulf Coast. It will right. be so thick, you won't be able to see. Now, this is very, um, for better, better lack of terms, uh, uh, very, even though as a practitioner, it has a lot of forthwith what thou's and the Lord, uh, you know, stuff like that. But anyway. Mm -hmm. So, and I get through the whole ritual process and I'm just ex enjoying the experience, which is, this is what my trigger was to learn more, except for one factor that happened. I get to the last of it, I do my banishing and to close out the circle. And then there's the warning. If you didn't close out your circle properly, the hounds of hell will come and devour you through the fog and veil. Now I am surrounded by <laughs> fog. <laughs> so I do my banishment. I walk to the edge of the circle and I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do it one more time. Mm -hmm. So I walk back into the center. I do my banishment. I'm going, okay, I should be good now. I got to walk to the edge. I still can't step out of the circle. And this went on until I woke up when the sun came up. And uh, because I was so ingrained in fear. And this is what made this one little funny little 13 year old sitting in a field somewhere in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, what triggered where I am today? And the reason I'm saying that is because I learned right away that if we get so engrossed in our own fears and doubts, we'll never accomplish anything. And because I couldn't step past the circle. And so I spent literally weeks wondering what was going to happen. I let this consume me. And so this is actually what started me along my path of researching and studying and now mind you geographically everybody has a different story because you know that area that social acceptance in that area so it was a little bit more on the light worker side right i apologize ahead of time and um but it was you know be because it had helped me develop and learn more because i realized i was more of a light worker not bashing light workers i'm just saying personally it I was staying on the light worker side out of my internal fears because right. of one incident that I generated. Mm -hmm. And so that's really the catalyst, I would say, that triggered my thought process. I mean, yeah, later on, I was hit by lightning and everything else. And we got all the military 
these are all just factors of development. But yeah. That was the catalyst. Okay. So we're not going to just breeze over you getting hit by lightning, FYI. And <laughs> I, I don't think I ever knew that about you. I, that doesn't ring a bell. So you're going to definitely have to tell that story. Well, well, I was at this club and I was, no, just kidding. Uh, I, where I was working at the time, and this is in 2001, July 3rd in the States, I was outside and the thunderstorm's rolling in and, um, well, pretty much so it's called a current strike and it's where the lightning hits next to you. And because you're grounded, the current from the strike travels through you mm, okay. and, um, threw me back and all the whole mess and i'm one of these type people if he stumped his toe i throw a temper tantrum and right I, so i threw a bit of a temper tantrum and my buddy kept saying you need to go to the hospital get checked out i'm like no i'm fine i just have a headache my arm hurts i was having a heart attack basically and right. uh, so by the time i got to the hospital i was flatlined and uh they resuscitated resuscitated wow resuscitated me and um uh to me that was also part of my spiritual experience because right. yeah there was no uh, or anything like that to me it was the uh the most peaceful i'd ever been in my life it was the most content and when the doctor came back even the doctor said that i looked pissed at him um like i wanted to beat his ass so um yeah, yeah, that was uh, the big, well, I mean, there's been several of those type of highlights, but that was the, the biggest one that stood out. And uh, I spent, you know, a lot of uh, physio and everything else going forward. But you sit there and you think of not only yourself, but what did you experience? You know, what am I experiencing now? And you question a lot of things. So I think for a good chunk of time, I was reevaluating myself and the way I looked at things. Right. Well, that makes sense. I mean, if you flatlined, you know, you, you know, like technically, I if if you've technically died and and have been resuscitated, like it's almost like a given that you would have to kind of like reevaluate and you know. You would, think, you, you yeah. would think that's that's a pretty common experience with with people that have you know the heart well the hardest part for me was trying to define whether or not i was actually awake and alive for weeks um you were scared to go to sleep you were uh they had to put me on xanax you know the god pill and they uh uh but they uh because i couldn't calm down it was you know i would I mean, there's still fragments for about five or six years that I can't remember a lot of a huge chunk because oh yeah okay. the brain yeah. I can only remember my photograph so I kind of try to build the story around that one photograph okay. in my head but hoping that it triggers other memories but I there's a lot of memories that have been scrambled in that time time frame but. The actual event, I remember everything at the hospital. I mean, without a doubt, the broken ribs when they were bringing me back. The I used to wear a silver necklace with a pentacle on it, and the necklace was melted into my skin. Um, oh wow! Yeah, it was a whole bunch of because the doctor. I remember him asking me, 
uh, did, did you have a necklace on? And I'm like, yes. And so then he peeled it out. You know, it's like a sunburn type, you know, layer. Right. But, um, cool. you know, but there's a lot of uh, things that you questioned. You know, am I, it goes back to the whole multidimensional theories that I've lectured on and uh, all these different things with the paranormal. Uh, you question the reality that you're in at, right after that event. Yeah. Um, that's why I was scared to go to sleep because I was afraid that this was a dream. And, right. Right. You know, so uh, during that time frame, it's once again completely different reflection, thought process, and uh, went from there. But because before that, I was in the military and well, I was still in, actually, I was still in reserve status. Mm. And um, I couldn't deploy anymore. I got lost all my, I couldn't, I lost my security clearances because of this event, because they don't, you know, we were a desert squadron. So you can't exactly go to the desert while you're trying to recover from all this. Right. So it's, uh, speaking of which, did you know I was, here's a piece of information. I just brought up military. Uh-huh. Did you know I was the pagan liaison for the United States Air Force for three different bases? I don't think so. Yeah, that doesn't ring a bell. But it that's fascinating. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, well, because I was only like a little senior airman and I had to sit with all these big name, uh, you know, high ranking officials mm-hmm. that were all chaplains. And I had to find that happy medium. So different practitioners are different paths. And it's a learning process for me. Yeah. Um, so that they could reach that happy medium so they could practice on base without violating the different codes and the laws on the bases. So it was, uh, I enjoyed it immensely. It was actually a lot of fun. Are there like, are there any pagan practice? I was just about to say standard pagan practices, but that's not what I mean. But, uh, are there, are there pretty common pagan practices that, on a base would be like oh you can't do that that way um only let's say like for example one of the biggest ones it was a huge debate um there's no open flames allowed on a base so oh uh, that makes sense yeah yeah so there's these different practitioners that wanted to have flames in their quarters and uh i was able to negotiate as a mediator that they use lights, which is issued by the military with those colors and those quarters. And, you know, so it's, it was small things like that. Uh, like uh, you're not allowed what to about, have- a, Like what about candles? Uh, no, you cannot have uh, candles in your rooms um, or out in the base like that, yeah. unless it's sanctioned by the base itself. Right. You right, know, right. like a memorial or something like that. Yeah, but, yeah. but you couldn't, you know, like, and it, is, it goes across the board. So like if you're doing a memorial march down the street for a soldier that fell down, you had to hold up light sticks because open flame wasn't allowed on that specific base. And, um, but, you know, like, but some of them were like, uh, you're not allowed to have uh, uh, knives in your rooms, in your dorm rooms when you're a student. Uh, so this is at Fort Gordon, uh, army base. So they wouldn't allow anyone to have, you know, their knives. They had to be checked in. Okay. They weren't, 
you know, and um, there was one uh, guy that wanted to use his athame, and he, of course, he can't take it to his room. So I made the uh, negotiation that I would, because this is a closed practice, and I told him you can't stand with a uh, security with an MP inside his room. That's a violation of his beliefs. So. As a practitioner, I will stand inside the room and you can stand outside the room. And that way, if there is a concern or whatever, then you can be notified right away. And so it was a lot of different things like that I had to do. And, okay. um, and like I said, it's, I enjoyed it because I like to give practitioners more rights, more voice. Yeah. And, but on the flip side of that is, you know, someone's sitting there and he says, I only use um, runes on river rocks because he's mixed uh, a lot of Nordic practice with uh, Gaelic practices. And uh, it's, I, I love hearing that, you know, because you end up learning from it because what do you do? You hit the books, you want to yep. find out more. And uh, it, it, to me, it was exciting. So, so part of that responsibility, like if, if someone who identified as, as pagan and said, okay, part of my practice is to do X and I just had this question in my head and now I don't know how to frame it. Um, and you're like, well, I don't know if that's actually a thing. You know, would you would you have to like research? You know, oh, I'm I'm a druid, and we do X, and mm -hmm. and they're and it, they're kind of setting in almost setting in stone like it's dogma. Like as a druid, I have to do this, and and I people shouldn't be able to stop me. And you're so do, would you have to like research and find out like is this a thing, and then have to you know, like, like veto it or try to get it sanctioned or, or something like that? Well, in that case scenario, and I've, I, everybody knew that I was very vocal about this, is that everybody defines their own path. They yeah. may identify with Wiccan or they may identify with Druid or, you know, however that may work out. But I explained to this higher echelon of chaplains that everybody identifies their path. And so regardless of what they've identified as um so if a person says every friday i've got to do this i would never question it i would just turn around and explain to the higher echelons he needs to do this on fridays at such and such time his duty time puts him close or it cuts into his duty time what can we do to accommodate mm. uh, because regardless of the person's path they've identified themselves um I'm a from. I'm not a huge fan of labels, but yeah. as human nature, we tend to need them. And yeah. um, so I've been able to maybe accommodate by moving his time. I mean, the United States Air Force was actually probably the most well, a lot the easiest. I mean, they even had a church on base on the uh, Lackland Air Force Base for uh, people that identified as Wiccans but it was open to any practitioner. Um, you can be a Satanist, you can be, right. uh, you know, whatever it, it, that's where you went. And what I, what, what I meant, 
like I said, I, I, I had it in my head, the question, and it wasn't coming out right. Like, like any sort of like really questionable practices where you're like, uh, is that a thing? Like, yeah, really? Like, is, is your religion really that every Friday night at 9 PM, you have to run around naked covering yourself in pig's blood, you know? (laughs) Like, like well, something like really questionable where you're like, I don't, oh, I got to find out about this. Anything like that? No, I never had anything like that. Okay. But even if it did come up, uh, the first place I had to go to was the UCMJ and um, uh, which is the governing, the military, all of the United States military has this code of conduct and uh, it applies to how you act and on basis and whatnot so if it's any, anywhere in there at first and foremost they were signed up as a soldier right um so if it violated any of these type of things then i immediately had to tell them i don't have a leg to stand on um however if let's see use your analogy right there if which all of those things would have been a violation of the UCMJ. No kidding. <laughs> but you know, so it would be an easy shutdown. Uh, so yeah. you know, you we have to find some other way to accommodate for you. Um, right. because it's no different than signing on for a job. Mm-hmm. And you know, the job has these guidelines for you work this many hours or whatnot. After you sign on for the job and you go to your boss and say, two hours of every day during the hour well during the hours of venus i have to do this what are they going to respond with are you you were seriously you yeah know. yeah um yeah you knew what this job was going to be what you know so um but so you had to take those type of things in consideration okay. and you had a, a lot of times there was a few questionable ones uh, where a guy just wanted to do like a nick on his finger. Uh, I told him he can't uh, because that was a violation because your government property and right. at that point and you're not allowed to do anything like that. So yeah. um, uh, those type of things were easy to explain because you had that code. Right. You know, you know outside, regardless of what they, you know, I have to howl at the moon at two in the morning, you know, <laughs> you're screwed, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so there are limits to that, you know, that um, I don't want to say freedom of religion because I'm, I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm, I'm questioning the whole stance on freedom of religion, but like there's, there obviously is limits. There has to be limits. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it, it's no different than, you know, because where we're located in this building, we're right on Main Street. Yeah. And so every time that we do anything, like put the flags up front with sigils on them or anything like that, I always contact town office because, yes, that is our right to do that. But mm-hmm. we're on Main Street. It's a courtesy to the town to make sure there's no guidelines or restrictions. Right. And, you know, that unfortunately, they've been very supportive and said, yeah, oh, yeah, you're fine, you know can walk down the street in your robes we don't care you know but yeah the uh but i always do that because you don't know it it could be a bylaw that you weren't aware of and um and also taking consideration of other people in the area and it's good to get that feedback from the town so yeah Yeah. um but yeah there is freedom of religion but it's also courtesy and respect 
Oh, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, like, let's be honest, bureaucracy loves when you go to them and be like, can I, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, you know, they, you know, they love you for it. it's, you're, you're not sucking up to them, but you're in a way you're kind of, you're gaining brownie points and mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be, you know, in your best interest, you know, right. it's going to pay off, you know, when you, when you have everyone on your side. Oh, agreed. Okay. Yeah, uh, we oh got an echo on this. Uh, we um we also do a lot of community stuff. Like uh, it, actually, here soon it seems really petty, but this whole COVID mess has a lot of people down and whatnot. So we're having a sweet treat truck going to be parked out front on a main road. Uh, we're not getting a dime from it. We're paying the deposit for them. It's just to bring smiles to the area. They kind of uh, have the carny food and okay, uh, yeah, type thing. Uh, there's a lot of kids in Milestone, so it would just give a chance to take a break from all this mess. And so we we try to do things like that. You know, we're in the middle of setting up a farmers market across the street. Um, you know, all these. Yeah, they may seem small, but it's just to give people a mental break from this mess. And yeah. also, there's another side. We're practitioners. We want to show that we're people, too, outside of the world of media. Yeah. You know, and that we can walk side by side with you. Yeah, absolutely. So. Absolutely. I mean, you know, beneath all the woo-woo, we're still, we're, we're pretty boring <laughs> and normal to be honest, really, yeah. I mean, fundamentally, you know. Well, the, well, that's my favorite thing, like in the main hall area, and I'm in the library right now, but the main hall area, which is uh, about 950 square feet, and um, I hung up these occult prints all around the room, specifically designed so that people ask questions. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, for example, there's Andy and Edward Kelly, Kelly. Um uh there's a print of them uh doing the conjuration and it's I love to see people's faces when I say, Well, that was Queen Elizabeth the first science advisor, um, and her private doctor. Uh or the I had the Pythagoras, uh, because you know he's one of the fathers of occult sciences, and uh have all of Pythagoras's quotes on one print on the wall. I have a print of Azazel, and that's my favorite one to bring up because people say mm, that looks a little uh sketchy, and I said, Well, right. that's where that's where the term scapegoat comes from, and they have now something they can relate to it from their day by day activities, yeah. So, about to pause. <laughs> my apologies, nope. <laughs> uh, so, all around the room, as items like that to draw people's attention in and ask questions and usually we're you know if i see them just standing there because a lot of people won't ask questions um uh because that's what medutu means it means knowledge mm-hmm. so uh if somebody can walk out of here with one piece of knowledge either useful or not we're happy and uh like the products downstairs um for example the uh the element incense that we that i swore i would never make but anyway i envy you uh but anyway (laughs) um 
only make a small grouping of them, but the um, the element ones, I don't put the names on. I only put the alchemical symbols. Okay. So that people will ask, you know, wow, I like this one. What's this one? Well, I one. that's for fire. That's what the symbol's for. And right, right, right. Um, the dedication candles uh, that I make, they don't have the names on them. They only have their veve or their sigil or things like that. And it's it's hilarious to look at, you know, somebody who has to drop their for a brief second, they had no fear, no inhibitions or anything. And then you when they say, you know, like this one particular, this happened actually recently. Oh my gosh, I really love this. I feel so drawn to this candle. It just makes me, you know, I, I just don't know. What's the sigil mean? Well, that's sigil for Lucifer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you just see their face go white. And then, but now you have an opportunity to educate. Yeah. You know, and um, so it's, you know, I let them feel their way through the store and then go through the education process. Um, but that's, that's really. That's a way of doing it. That's very clever. But, you know, a lot of these things people do on a day by day basis, you know, or are connected to. And they, because they have that fear and inhibitions that were pre-programmed throughout the ages, they uh, they won't, you know, if I put Lucifer right across that or Azazel or Lilith or Hecate or anything like that, oh, I, don't, I saw a movie that had that, you know. Yeah, and yeah. that's why when I did the lectures, I don't put who, I only put their names um, when I'm doing the uh, Cosmos Astrum episodes. I only put their names uh, because somebody had asked me, well, why don't you put my, what I do? Because people get wrapped up in labels and not who that person is. Right. So it's the same thing with the products. I, uh, because we have, if I'm not in the store, Jared's in the store or Allison is in the store and we're there to answer questions and help people to reach their own conclusions. And, um, you know, cause even if a person turned around and said, that's evil, that's evil, that's evil, that's evil. Okay, that's your perspective. That's fine. I don't, yeah. you know, uh, or don't turn around and do the get out, you know, thing. Um, it, that's their perspective, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, anything that we have going on here, if we have a social gathering pre-COVID, uh, disclaimer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> pre-COVID, when we had the social gatherings, people that even want to just come and hang out and whatnot, but they also are aware that we may do a dedication ritual in the middle of the social, but we're doing it in a mannerism that we're giving them information, what it's about, what the history of it is, you know? So that's our ultimate goal here is to educate and let people, um, it doesn't, like I said, if they're very religious and they come in and they're coming in just out of curiosity to see what these people are all about you know um we're heavily warded the building is um but if they come in and they don't feel comfortable they just don't come back yeah um but the ones that feel like they learned something or got something out of it they often come back right and um the ones that don't come back that's fine uh there's a church down the street for them. Yeah. But, you know, 
the way we look at the building, and I spent right after, uh, thank you so much for saving us on the opening night. Um, because I hit you up for the incense, because uh, we were gonna, we got the key, we we're gonna open it up. I'm like, can you make right. this type of incense? Right, right, right. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've never forgot about that because <laughs> uh, there were still like bank tell. This is an old bank. It's 113 year old. Yeah. It's always been a bank, and there were still the bank tellers um, counters all in here, and mm-hmm. the package came that morning, the day of we were supposed to go pick up the key right so we unlocked the doors came in put the incense in here because that was who we were actually working with to get the building and um so we had the incense in there to say thank you you know and uh yeah thank you oh no Um, (laughs) but um it's nice being a part of that building like that i i think it's great wonderful well, actually, it's funny. Uh, this building has gained, because like I said, always before it was a bank. Now yeah. it's become more like a central hub of magics. And um, it's amazing. Actually, there's a camera crew going to be here Thursday to film for magical places in Saskatchewan. And uh, because one of the things we found out, being a paranormal investigator, of course, what are we going to do? We're going to investigate the building. Yeah. Wait, so hold on a sec there's a, a a program called magical places saskatchewan i uh, know it's uh the program is called the four and oh, okay. uh, that's going to be their feature is um they're working on it right now is all the magical locations uh, oh, in saskatchewan okay. so okay. it's just part of their uh their regular programming that they're doing so okay. well that's cool yeah I'm I'm honored that we were selected, but yeah, uh, people hey, it's free advertising. That's true, and you know? some lovely ladies. They're amazing. Yeah. Um, but people have been sending us stuff from the states and here in Canada uh, to just put here, you know, on display. And mm-hmm. uh, we've got an athame from a Luciferian alchemist. Uh, we've got. Uh, a horn from um, an, an, a former Ossetry group. Okay. Um, uh, their drink, their ceremonial drinking horn, and um, uh, got well. We got one item from the UK, which was a Keppen rod. Um, but they're just in a glass case on display. And uh, but we found out that the center of the building has a ridiculously high magnetic field, and we've tried to debunk it we shut the power down to the building everything we cannot debunk it so we just put an altar in that place and right. with an incense burner and uh it's yeah it's it's exciting you know especially when you go up to the tri-field i've never seen a tri-field this high of a level right and uh so there's all kinds of theories it's a ley line it's this it's that i think Personally, my theory is is because most of the building is tindlestone outside, which is a limestone, and we're pretty much just sitting inside of a giant magnet. <laughs> but right, interesting. You know, that was one question that I I had for you that I was saying for the podcast because you have you know such a big space. I was kind of curious to see um, if one of your directions was to kind of you know, not like a full-fledged 
magic museum, but, you know, um, elements like that of having artifacts on display like a museum. So you answered that question without me even asking it. So there you go. Well, that was um, uh, something that happened without us even planning. Right. You know, because we got a message saying, you know, how would you feel about me sending this to you? Um, because that is a magical location and I know it would be safe. Um, the tall chairs that are all throughout the building that was uh, belonged to the Masons here in Milestone. And they sat in a storage shed for 20 uh, for the past 20 years. Wow. So I contacted the Masons and they said, yeah, we're never going to be using those chairs again but we feel more comfortable being in that space than in the storage shed. So you're more right. than welcome to have them in there for display. And um, nice uh, behind that, the Eastern stars, uh, we have the center column. Yeah. The center column and the one at the entrance way um, from the Eastern stars. So it's, it's interesting to see everything coming in. Mm -hmm. uh, that people feel like this is a sacred space for right. it to be there. So, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Very I'm, cool. I get excited. Yeah, this. absolutely. Well, <laughs> absolutely. Look what you're creating. Of course, of course, you're getting excited. You should. That's amazing. Well, it's been a, like a lifelong dream. Even when I was in high school, I used to do these sketches of like a temple area that people could all go, and no matter what their path was, they felt safe mm -hmm. and uh and to see it happening here i mean was i working on a spell back then possibly yeah because you know but um i just discussed something similar um in uh well it's an episode that's dropping after yours but i did the actual interview uh last night um but something similar you know teenager manifesting something but it didn't manifest for, you know, 25, mm -hmm. 20 years or, or whatever. So were you doing a spell back then? Just from my experience, I'm going to say yes. Yeah. I mean, because yeah, the, the structure of the building, the actual, the vision back then is becoming a reality. Yeah. And, uh, I'm an old fart now. I mean, and luckily I never lost that dream, but it was one of those things of, uh and it we've we've had these discussions in our closed groups of how time really doesn't exist and how we're you know when we're doing spells and you know working our manifestations you know we operate on a different timeline than because we have no concept of what time is you know outside the boundaries of the veil the the reason I say that, and this is uh, on the madutu.ca page, there's a uh, SOTG section, and that's where I have a lot of the theories because the formula that we have for time is based on this physical plane, and we're missing so many, for our perspective, missing so many aspects of that formula to be able to say time is the same on another veil is not necessarily true. Right, yeah. So, um, so whenever we're doing this and we're sending out to the universe and to the cosmos, or however the wording may be, um, you have no concept of what their time, what that timeline yeah. could be. So, yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. So when you were a teenager, okay, so going back to that experience when you were 13, like mm-hmm. it didn't put you off. No. Um, you know, like I, I, I meet plenty of people that, you know, as a teenager kind of started getting into the, the occult and had an experience that so terrified them that they just never touched the occult again. You know what I mean? So you obviously didn't go that route, but when, so you were a teenager and you're kind of like sketching out this, this temple idea that that's your dream. You're, you're, I'm assuming you're, you're doing some sort of magical practice. Um, no, uh, this is me sitting in school, sketching on my notebook and sketching it all out. Now that's the thing. It's a no and a yes answer mm-hmm. because uh, projected intent doesn't require a ritual it right. doesn't require um just i love the saying action follows thought yeah so when we're doing a ritual for an in, intended manifestation or intended outcome it's in a formal environment just because you're sitting on the couch and you go you know what i could just take some of this and i could blend it with that and i could focus technically you've already started the ritual yeah and so um as far as the the no answer no there was no formal focus of energy or anything like that for the yes because i was focusing and i was i could see this in such vivid detail which is as practitioners that's what we do we Mm -hmm. the creative visualization process so when we're doing these um uh from my standpoint i wasn't doing a ritual i'm sketching in the back of my math journal Um, yeah yeah but as a practitioner now looking at it yes i was doing a magic ritual without all the bells and whistles the triggers and everything else so it's a yes no you know as as the 13 year old sitting in math class sketching this out no i was just trying to fulfill a dream yeah from a as an adult practice well an adult um just ask my wife uh the uh <laughs> but as as an adult and as a uh practitioner yes yeah. there was a lot of things i was doing as a kid and i didn't ever even realized it you yeah. know uh that's i tell you a funny story about that mm-hmm. uh my daughter was uh i made her this little wand uh she was really small and i was at work and i get a text message from my wife going uh oh it's so cute she's in the living room waving the wand around doing i asked her what she's doing she's doing a spell and i said well ask her what she's doing and so it was a long pause and i get a text back she's in front of the mirror conjuring thunderstorms take the wand away take the wand away now you know that was my response because a child with his creative imagination doing magics Mm. even unintentionally focusing energy um, especially in an area that's prone to some very dangerous thunderstorms. Yeah, I was like, "Oh my gosh, take take it away from her right now!" And you know, just kind of, you know, play with something else. You know, give her a doll. Yeah, but <laughs> just no pins. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> that's funny. Well, were so, you practicing magic as a teenager? Yes, um, and very. Um, I was more into hermetics. Um, actually the show that i do is called the cosmos astrum 
Mm. And uh, it's a, a way of giving honor to someone. Uh, in Mobile, Alabama, there was nowhere to go except for the, I'm trying to say this politely, the, the, the crystal shops that promised you everything. If you, you know, burn this, you. Right, right, right. Anyway. Yeah. I'm trying to be nice. Yeah, um, I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> so uh, I didn't feel like I fit in there. Um, and then suddenly the store opens up right across the street in this old rickety old house on Holcomb Avenue in Mobile, Alabama. And I decided to go check it out. It was called the Crystal Cave, which anybody, you know, with the whole Merlin lore immediately drew me in to go check it out. So all I did, I used to always carry this little leather pouch, you know, the, the proverbial purse, mm -hmm. and I always kept books in it and my journal and everything. And I go in and he had this chair in the corner and I just sit there in the chair. And I asked him first, you know, can I just sit there and read or whatever? He's like, absolutely. Take your time. And young guy um, and very coarse. So he turns around and he says, uh, a customer comes running in and looks at the counter and says, I heard you have talismans. And he says, yeah, they're right there. And he says, well, I need one for this. He goes, yep, they're right there. And he goes, but that one says, well, that one says this. He goes, a talisman has its purpose, but you supply its intent. So they're right there. You are part of this, you know, the process. It doesn't do it for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the guy got frustrated with him. He left and he literally just went back to reading his book. And I used to go there every weekend and just sit in the corner. And uh, he was up because I was really, really heavy into researching the Enochian system. Okay. And um, so he is sitting there and he's actually trying to make a clay tablet and I keep hearing him cussing everything else and I, I stand up and I walk over and I said oh the tablet of union you're making one of those and he goes y you know what this is and I'm once again very young mm -hmm. and he, I said yeah I said I'm going through the whole spill and I said but you know you you really instead of just doing the solid colors across you should make them in truncated pyramids and you could have the colors associated with one. He's like, time out, stop. Um, can you come to the back room? I just want you to look at something and just kind of enlighten me on a few things. So go into this and they had this big temple space and every wall is the watchtower tablets. Okay. Uh, painted on the walls and they were unfinished and um so he asked me if I would help and I was excited because this is what I'm researching at this point in time. This right. is what I'm practicing. So uh, that was kind of like the Meduto effect. We have all these different aspects. We also have a practitioner group, which we don't announce publicly. Right. Whereas same concept with him, his was called the Cosmos Astrum. And that's why he kind of took me in and let me explore my own path in a good, safe space in a sanctuary that I could just be myself. Right. You know? 
And so that's why I created the uh, the broadcast called the Cosmos Astrum because they had long shut down and they're no longer around. And um, but so, that's a nice homage to them. That's yes. great. Yeah, because that that died in 80, 87, 88, something like that. So okay. um, it's uh, uh, if it wasn't for him. Um, it was i mean between him and my brother um because i could go to my brother but it was my brother was so it was uh <laughs> uh he'd catch him at the right times right you know, by, the, by the time he was that age and so i now i had a new mentor that i could bounce another idea off of and i kind of had the multiple aspects so it was uh uh I loved going there because it was a way, just like here, right. I want people to feel safe to come in, sit down, grab a book, make their own conclusions, and you know, not having something forced down their throat. The yeah. gatekeepers, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, uh, to to back that story up, not long after we got everything up and running, we said we're open. You know, um, uh, we had an open house. <clears throat> and several people came here and a few weeks later i get a phone call on the phone and uh no it's a message on facebook saying can i come out to the building just to do a tarot card reading my own personal and to meditate and i was like success yeah you know because they were driving all the way from regina which is uh 30 minutes down the road but they were driving all the way out here to milestone just so that they had a safe space that they felt comfortable in yeah and i was like yes we finally did it you know? yeah <laughs> that's excellent yeah that's really excellent like creating like a like a community center mm -hmm. really well and i would say for practitioners but it's honestly it's for anybody that's willing to be have an open mind mm -hmm and uh, is willing to treat each other with respect because of we've had practitioners come in and had that holier than thou you know of course yeah yeah on a pedestal type thing and uh they haven't been back don't know what happened there uh but but it's uh it's we're all on the same level we're all on the same uh you know, it's like I hate the word work uh, lecture or class got to use it but mm. um, I like to really like the term workshop because mm. even if I'm doing a lecture when somebody asks a question immediately I'm learning yeah so um, that's why I did that mem I'll never be afraid to ask questions challenge and uh, because when I'm doing these type classes here ugh, I said it yeah. um people ask questions they challenge it and i'm fortunate enough they're in a place that they feel safe to do so yeah you know so yeah if you can't tell we're excited about this project because, oh absolutely yeah absolutely we got asked recently is submitted to affect a coven no it's an idea it's yeah. a concept yeah you know? yeah but i mean you know people really you know they only have um media and pop culture to to go off of so they're gonna you know they're gonna say coven and not 
concept or temple or lodge mm. or or you know what I mean um it's just that's just that's reality you know we just got to roll with it you know yeah. um and and there's a there's a a teachable moment there it is because yeah. uh, uh, we have had uh what we call coven uh what was it coven hunters you know not that not in a negative term but people that feel like they have to be part of a larger group in order to right. learn yeah. and and some people do have that need you know um technically when we have our social gatherings it's a, i love sitting in the corner um because you're seeing people of so many different practicing paths and beliefs just carrying on casual conversations mm -hmm. and it's just it's that to me is so exciting yeah. because um one person might uh say well i don't believe in that you know this is how i look at it and everybody's on the same playing field there's no yeah. one going you know you don't have the especially me being from the south i saw it a lot where i don't believe in that so you need to step away from me you know right 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 uh, yeah. it's it's always very open and yeah, and if you don't feel comfortable in the conversation, no one gets upset if you say, you know what, I, I'm done with this. Okay, you want to yeah. talk about something else? You yeah, know? yeah. So I, I, to me, that's huge. Um, oh, especially absolutely. And, you know, that's the thing that um, we're really lacking nowadays because we're getting all of our um, socializing. And for those listening, not watching, I'm putting that in air quotes, our, <laughs> our occult socializing on social social media but of course you can't have intelligent thoughtful discussions on social media because people just love to attack because everyone is faceless and nameless and protected behind their computer screen because these you know these people that attack relentlessly on social media they would never do it to your face mm -mm you know and these people that are the bitterest of enemies on social media because one likes the color green but the other likes the color red so therefore they have to be the bitterest of enemies um if they were in the same room together they'd be getting along fine you know what i mean well it's just like that it's just like that video that you always see. It's got the two dogs on each side of the gate. And the gate's closed and they're just going at it. And then all of a sudden the gate opens and they're just like wagging their tails. Yeah. And yeah. That's literally, that's literally my two dogs because I have to um, like lock one up uh, when it's uh, feeding time. And and then they'll just be at the gate at, at each other barking. So I have to uh remove the gate and then they just play so yeah no that's literally that's social media you know yeah that's that, definitely the way it is we've only been a you know i won't say the word attacked um because this uh, yeah we were but the uh, uh and only it's been very few and far between um so and i think our our success to that is how much how eager we are to educate um because if someone does it was like uh was not showing up but behind me my staff uh that i use for ritual and somebody saw it on one of the video feeds and says well that's a symbol of a hate group uh, uh what 
and uh, they were they had somehow or another, you know, like paradelia, they associated the the shape of the wood on the top of it uh, with some hate group or whatever. And I'm like, okay, oh, that's 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 really a stretch. You know, it was one of these keyboard warriors that yeah, and so I explained that you know the curvature of the top is made out of ebony and the base is uh made out of willow and it's put on an ash rod um it's all hand carved by me and it's not mass produced and and I explained the what the ebony stood for with the willow you know willow and why the feathers and uh on it and you know the different sigils and i went to the full explanation of it and oh i guess it wasn't what i saw right so sometimes um and i literally just had this conversation sometimes we're as practitioners when we're especially among liked community uh we assume that they understand everything that we're, we're saying right because term, there's that aspect terminologies change between different regions and different beliefs and so and different generations even yes you know and when we're explaining things no matter what the skill set level is it, it's really more beneficial to kind of overkill the expl explanation yeah um uh because if i would have said no i made that and stopped well then now it's you are the you know uh, yeah you know whatever so it's it may have been overkill with the explanation and everything but it did immediately nullify the situation and yeah they were content because they're now they're doing their homework they're looking up what willow means what ebony means you know that type of thing and so which one goes back you know we we always say don't ever take our word you know as gospel I'm making a quotation in the air uh challenge it look it up for yourself make your own conclusions um i did the the online lecture on angels and demons and mm -hmm. uh somebody says well where can i look this information up i said the first step is to open a book doesn't matter if you agree with it or not open a book start doing you know your own research um i'm not going to point you in this book is the best one this one is the best one it's i'm going to encourage you to do your own research but most of all read things that you know you won't agree with yeah so you can reach that conclusion yourself um i mean i've got a, quite a few books behind me in the library that i don't agree with right um, someone else may find that you know more beneficial to their path but I still research in those books because there are correlations between other books that may refer to it. And yeah, yeah. Uh, it's as I, I, I'm guilty of it too. Uh, when I was younger, only looking for information that would confirm my own biases. Right. And uh, I think a lot of people do that, but I know what when I was younger, I did that a lot. And now it's not necessarily to not only confirm my biases but also to challenge my biases uh to my biases may be completely incorrect and mm -hmm. and be willing to accept that uh that's why i would say don't 
don't hesitate to read something or research into something you would never ever step foot into yeah and that's why on our slogan it says without fear or prejudices uh we will continue to learn uh because in order to step into realms that you would normally not agree with you have to get rid of your internal fears step out of the circle when you did the banishing ritual yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Lux Files. I'm not just the host of this podcast. I'm also the owner of Lay Loken's Owen. I make beeswax and scented spell candles, loose stick and liquid incense, anointing oils and bath salts. So once you're done listening to this episode, why don't you head on over to my website at www.laylokensawin.com and check out my products. For your convenience, the link to the website is also in the show notes. Yeah, I like, um, I like having debates. Um, you know, and, and having a good argument, like a, like a respectful argument, um, you know, of, of opposing opinions or beliefs, because it's either going to reinforce my, my personal opinion, mm -hmm. or it's going to make me think, oh, I never saw it from that perspective. That's what I, I love. That. So, so now like, I need to learn more, tell me more, um, and make me reevaluate my opinion on whatever subject it is, or my belief on whatever subject, and, and then go through a process of either transforming that belief or seeing that other perspective all the way through, and then still being able to say, okay, however, my perspective, I'm still you know, comfortable with, with my perspective. I mean, I'm not saying like, um, you know, someone saying the sky's blue and, and challenging them and saying, no, it's orange. I, you know, mm -hmm. not, I'm not saying like, like, you know, like a complete separation from reality, um, you know, but it like, a, you know, um, a different perspective on, on a matter, you know? And being, well, and being able to be, oh, well, let me explore that then, you mm -hmm. know, and then, and then realizing, oh, that's the better perspective for me, or that's just not, that just doesn't resonate with me, you know? And also there's another aspect. <clears throat> if you, I have an understanding of someone else's perspective or a group of other people's perspective on things, even if you didn't change, now you understand more of another group or another mm -hmm. individual and in either a positive or negative way, it doesn't really matter, but you yeah. have a better understanding so that when it comes time to, uh, I'm going to use that example of that high horse person that came in here. Mm -hmm. um, he was coming across everyone in here, very um, pedestal, you know, I am better than you wow. and not. But it turns out it was his terminologies. It's not a practice that I would do, but because I have already seen that perspective, um, I was able to go, oh, no, that's not, sorry, that's not what he meant. This is what he meant. And uh, having that understanding from a different perspective uh, was able to calm down a couple of people that were 
was turning into a bad scenario. Right, right, right. Because when he was making specific comments, it sounds degrading, but it was because of the particular ceremonial practice that he was doing. Right. Uh, it, had, it wasn't intended as degrading, but it was intended uh, as making a statement. And right. Because they never had, they had never been exposed to that or anything like that. It sounded like he was being aggressive, and it was not the case. Right. Um, so, it, having that exposure to different perspectives, whether you agree or not, is essential because it could be the difference between a, a fight in the main hall, <laughs> mm-hmm. or a bunch of people going, "Oh, okay," you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, one question that I wanted to ask you, um, it basically is just how the the Madutu effect, how that all came together. Because I mean, even I don't even know that, actually, like, I'm not just asking that question, just because it's a good question for the podcast. Um, I don't even know that particular part of your story. Well, and it's, it's interesting because, you know, um, you know, I was already part of uh, paranormal teams and doing things along those lines and doing lectures and, um, uh, you know, in uh, different locations all over Canada. And, uh, and I didn't like the term how-tos or, you know, whatever. I like what-if lectures. Mm-hmm. You know, when people are walking away, challenging everything I said. Yeah. And um, so that started escalating. And then on the backside, you know, I was getting asked to be on different uh, radio shows. And because I had these theories that were outside the norm of paranormal investigations, which was more along the lines of the occult. Right. And, um, because I was taking those two worlds and meshing them together, which yeah. they they do fit together very well. Yeah. And so that started escalating. And in the meantime, I'm making in our previous where we used to live, I used to make like candles. Well, I've always made candles, but you know, make candles and it's starting on selling a couple of them. Allison was making a few things and selling here and there, mostly for friends. Mm. And then uh, we were talking and saying, you know, talking about the whole childhood dream, the location, whatnot. So this building that we're in now, uh, and we was already going by the title of the Medutu effect, but kind of as a joking social gathering, hang out in the yard, okay. bunch of lawn chairs. Yeah, okay. And uh, so we, this building came up for sale. And uh, I told Allison, I was like, let's just go do a walkthrough. Let's just go check it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, we immediately fell in love with the building. It's 5,500 square feet, all the, you know, combined. And um, all we can, you know, look at like the basement area, the production value that was there and the main floor, you know, it's like, Austin's saying we can exhibit art, we can have art shows, we can have performers, we can have ritual practice, we could do this and you know, it's all these different things. And then okay. upstairs, we live upstairs. And um, interesting fact, the 
bank managers used to have to live at their banks. So it was already set up for living. It was just had to be modernized. Oh, how interesting. Yeah, back in... I didn't know that. Yeah, before security systems and, you know, remote accessing, the managers lived at their banks. I mean, Um, it makes sense when you think about it. Yeah. But the entire top floor is residential. Correct. So that's... um, Interesting. Yeah, three bedrooms, living room, bath, kitchen. Uh, it's all upstairs, and uh, yeah, it's it's great except for stairs. I don't do uh, me and stairs. I'm not a friend, but um, Allison keeps threatening to put one of those little robo chairs to go up the steps. I'm there like, you go. Uh, no, um, but so we came in with a bunch of other people that the lawn chair people that we mm-hmm. were all sitting around with these creams and everything everybody came flooding in and uh helped out with anything the walls the painting the electrical the plumbing everything was done in record time in nine months we refurbished this entire building yeah and um and it wasn't just me and allison it was a large group of people that were kind of saw the vision of the final product and mm-hmm. uh so it's uh that was the evolution process but it escalated really really fast once we got here yeah because because it went from sitting around in lawn chairs around a little fire drinking and whatever else and uh to this where we're at now i mean literally it feels like it was done in overnight it you know now that i know that because when i first met you mm-hmm. and this is going back to 2016 wait or 17 when was the first occulticon was the first occulticon 2017 or 2018 it was 2017 so yeah. the first time we met Mm-hmm. air quotes again would be 2016 because you were a customer you ordered from me correct and and actually that's a funny story right there okay well, okay so go for it well because i want i never planned to do stuff for others other than yeah, I'll make this incense blend for you for this purpose and whatnot. So I hit you up because you were getting rid of a lot of herbs and at that time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I'll, you know, here's a list of a bunch of things that I need. You sent me this list of a whole bunch of herbs that you were going to start weaning off. I'm like, <laughs> I'll take them all. Yeah. So, um, uh, and that's how, you know, initially, so this stockpile of herbs started happening. And the next, you know, I'm making up these blends and I'm like, God, I got a lot of herbs. So I'll just make up these little blends and put them in packages and drop them off at the broom closet and she could do whatever she wants with it. Right. And, um, so yeah, that, that, uh, yeah, it's actually a hilarious story. It's your fault. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So because, so that's how we met and you, ended up ordering like I can't it was ridiculous mm-hmm. the the amount of of herbs um and they were all in I can't remember if they were in one pound bags or four ounce bag I can't remember oh they were all uh, one pounders um, yeah they were all one pounders and it was something like 
25 pounds worth or so anyway it was a lot it was a lot so that's how we first met and so you're like oh the Madutu effect and you're like I'm gonna buy this 25 pounds of herbs from you so I thought the Madutu effect like you know this was like this big concept thing like beyond you guys sitting in lawn chairs yeah so so we ended up meeting first time the following year in 2017 mm-hmm. in a call to at a call to con and you had I think you had first brought it up on Facebook and I'm like oh my god you're gonna be there I'm gonna be there mm-hmm. what a coincidence so that's how we first so we, like we first physically met was then but we first met in 2016 which it's already been five years which is weird like it's great <laughs> So I thought that the Madutu effect was this whole grand production thing, you know, like, like something like really like put together and official. So you guys bought that building. And like you said, in nine months, like you had it all completely renovated. So that's quick. But in in my head, my perception of the Madutu effect was, well, that makes sense because it's, it's, it's a put together thing Mm. and so when you're like just now like oh well the matutu effect was us sitting in lawn chairs drinking beer and i'm like how how do you how do you buy that building nine months later it's completely renovated and it's so put together you're you're developing the library you have the store you have these people like oh you should house our magical artifacts you know what I mean like it just it it really has come together so fast mm-hmm. now that I know because up until right now right this moment I thought the the Madutu effect was this slick production where it makes sense that all of this happened to the building the way it did yeah because that group of us sitting in the yard we're all practitioners and we're all sharing this vision and this you know and like i said it's in a casual environment and Mm -hmm. so then you know like you know it it comes up with one of them uh sipping on the absence and saying hey would you you know consider doing a lecture at the broom closet and yeah sure and or you know it's like allison you know found out about a culticon I ended up going there, uh, you know, several of these different things. And oh, yeah. I miss a call to con. Don't you miss a call to con? Yes, I do. Oh. I do bad, very oh. badly. <laughs> I that I mean, no one that's listening to my podcast knows about a, a call to con because I mean, it was Canadian and you know, I'm I most of my viewers like i'm you know i've been obsessed with like my my podcast analytics and like most of my my listeners and viewers are in are in the u.s and occult con was only two years but it was on this piece of land that was just amazing like it was the the owners created like this magical and it was like something like 100 acres or something like that it was really big and to like a a, a big lake with an island in the middle of the lake with a sword in the stone and um a huge a massive stone circle and a labyrinth and all the buildings looked like um 
like they came out of like medieval Tudor age times and the stage was looked like a, a castle with the towers and the parapets and the crenellations but all made out of wood and oh it was just the the shrines and the groves and oh god it was it's such an amazing space it, this place was called Mythwood mm-hmm. and um I feel sorry there's seven billion people on this planet and I feel sorry for seven billion minus 500 of us that experienced that that piece of land because it was just amazing and occulticon was an outdoor um occult um festival and you know and of course i was always there as a vendor so you know there was the goblin market with all the vendors in kind of like a u-shape oh it was just you know so and 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 then the um the lectures were happening over here. So I was in like the heart of it, like every second of that three days, I was just like right in the middle of it. And, um, oh, it was so amazing. Oh, I'm so heartbroken. You know what my favorite location was out of everything? What? The dragon's den. It was a giant oak tree that was turned upside Upside down. down. Yeah, yeah, yeah roots were going up to the sky that was my all-time favorite location i mean aside from walking around the woods but you know uh, now that's not called the dragons and now there is a lot of confusion that's the sea henge now oh. the sea henge is an actual thing and i didn't know this at the time and quite some time ago i was on twitter and someone posted a picture of this thing called the sea henge and i'm like Oh, that's what the recreation was. So back before they put the sea henge there, it was a fire pit area and they had called it the dragon's den. So it was on the older maps. It was the dragon's den, but it's actually, that's actually um, the sea henge. Yeah. I just, I just loved it because the, the wall around it was all birch Mm -hmm. that was cut Mm -hmm. and I just I kept sneaking off down the trail and go down there to sit there, you know. But yeah, uh, but that lecture that I did there because I was one of the lecturers and that was um, uh, frequencies across the veils and it was uh, right. our, our perceptions and paranormal investigations are skewed. So, and then but since then I already wrote a book, um, paranormal investigate paranormal and supernatural investigation basics and mm-hmm. because i felt like not only the paranormal investigator the person interested in doing that needed this book as a guideline but also people that are seeking paranormal investigators so they don't get taken by these right right crackpots that yeah. are out there yeah and I wrote it very cynically. So uh, I thought I was going to catch backlash, but there's actually teams that will use the book. And uh, yeah, because I was really, honestly, I was fed up. Yeah. And, you know, with the whole media hype and what um, everything's demons and everything's this. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I wrote this short book. It's not very big, to directly to the point. And talking about how i mean just for example religion has no place in paranormal investigations because once again you go running in to confirm your biases yeah um 
it's not a problem being religious. It's just being going in as an investigator. You have to put that aside. Yeah. And some people can't. And as we see on TV. Yeah, yeah I, I was talking about this with with Michelle Boulanger and in, in, um, in her episode. And I think it was part of her episode because we were, we were talking a little bit afterwards after I stopped recording. So maybe it, it wasn't actually in the episode, but whatever. Um, I, I like, I have no experience in the paranormal world. Like as far as like, I've never been on a paranormal investigation. So all I see of paranormal investigations is, you know, the, the TV shows. Mm-hmm. So to me, paranormal investigation is is a form of entertainment for me because mm-hmm. it's just and I, I i i'm not saying it in a downplaying paranormal investigating way i don't mean it like that just because that's not part of my world the only right. the only way i experience uh paranormal investigation is through a form of entertainment of me watching it on on television so and I know there's fakes out there and I know in theory really how um, how paranormal investigators can fake things or really dupe their their clients, especially the ones that are like, oh, well, we'll investigate, but it costs X amount of dollars, you know, and, and, how, and how they can dupe um, their, their, their clients and, and whatnot. But it, but in theory, because I, I don't have direct experience with the actual act of investigating. So kind of having like the inside scoop on what actually goes down. Mm-hmm. So I think to have a, a book for the lay person, especially like, like you said, like someone who's like, my place is really haunted and it's dangerous and I'm scared and I need to get a team in here. But to be able to know how to vet an investigating team. Right. Yeah, because you know? it has all the cautions in it. Mm-hmm. I, I actually legit use legitimate examples. Um, one of the ones is the biggest pet peeve for me. In Regina, um, a woman reached out to us and uh, said that, you know, we're having all this activity and whatnot. And I've already spent oh, close to $5,000. And we're like, oh, time out. What did you just say? Well, I've already spent $5,000 to get, you know, get it all taken care of, but I, you did what? Yeah, we'll be out. Well, how much is it going to cost me? We're not costing you anything. We're just coming to talk. A two-hour conversation, that's all it took, finds out that the mother and the stepdaughter are extremely intuitive, and they're actually very linked. Um and so both of them are having horrible days. So they're actually feeding into each other mm. and manifesting everything that's going on in the house. Whereas that other group wanted to come in and do an exorcism on the daughter oh for, for 8000 or 5000 another $5,000. And she's autistic. And uh, it, it's a simple conversation because the more we sat there and talked openly across the table... I was like, you know, I've got an idea, just a curiosity. So I pulled out some Zener cards and I said, what card am I holding? And nobody really got it. And I handed it to them, handed the cards to the mother. I said, pick one out random. 
I looked at the daughter and said, can you tell me what card she's holding? Right away, she got it. So I flipped it around, gave it to the daughter. Right away, the mother got it. And I did this multiple times to reduce that probability uh, with the Zener cards. And every time they were dead on the money, I said, here's my theory. Instead of coming home from school and storming into your room, shutting the door, which I'm assuming that's what's going on, and stewing on the frustrations of being at school, and you stewing on your relationship and work issues and whatnot, why don't y'all just sit down and have a conversation? Get this off your chest. Mm. You know, set aside an hour after supper. Anyway, they started to do that. Literally every activity stopped in the house. There was no more things moving and noises and foul smells. And Yeah. But people were coming in, convincing them that their house was occupied by a demon and we can cleanse it. And of course, they're scared. They don't yeah. understand. So that's yeah. what one of those things that is applied in the book is that how you know, taking consideration, you know, it might be something actually very natural, what we would consider natural. And, yeah. um, and then be, just be cautious of these type of scenarios. I mean, we I haven't announced it yet. So you, you can actually be the first to hear about it. <laughs> we are actually putting in a, a paranormal and supernatural hotline uh, so that people can call in uh, and be able to talk to a physical person okay we're not going to go out and investigate i don't belong to a team anymore i've removed myself from teams and uh to can actually get the information if it warrants an investigation i will forward that to a team okay but as a lot of times uh i've already talked to two people on the phone and this is where the idea came up Mm -hmm. and it was something very simple like one was the kid was hypersensitive and okay. he had a high-powered Wi-Fi unit in his bedroom, and he couldn't sleep at night, and he's having, you know, all these different... As soon as he unplugged the Wi-Fi unit, he had no more paranormal activity in his room. Um, uh, so all these different... There, a lot of times, these are very simple things yeah. that can be explained or dealt with from a personal level, because if you can empower someone to deal with it themselves it means a lot more than someone coming in dealing with it. And yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's why we're putting that in there. Also for paranormal teams that are starting up so they can have a, a phone line to say, look, we had this happen, whatnot, you know, you know, can we discuss it? And, you know, and not saying, cause no one in, I don't care what anybody says, no one in the paranormal field knows it all. Right. Uh, but we have a library here. We have other resources that we would be able to help people and uh, that maybe they wouldn't have at their fingertips. Mm -hmm. and, and on the flip side, we learn more. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because there's always going to be that, you know, I have no idea. Can I call you back or send you a message or email and let you know? And mm -hmm. But when we do rituals, even when we do the rituals here, we investigate them. That's why the Saskatchewan Occult Technology Group was founded. Um, and that's why I removed myself from paranormal teams. Um, I'm going to pause. And is that train going on? Uh, interfering with the mic? I don't hear anything. 
Okay, that's why I'm sorry. I had to pause real quick because I was <laughs> it's a train ripping by. Oh, okay, no, I can't hear a thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I had to call. Okay. But when we do the rituals uh, and we investigate, the team that is part of the Medutu effect, they're actually in a completely part of the different part of the building. They're not allowed to be a part of the ritual or anything. We do everything remotely. Um, we measure for time distortions um, by using a DTA meter. It was designed by a, a, a Silicon Valley engineer uh, to investigate UFO sightings because there's always time distortions. Okay. So we run the probe through the middle of the circle. Um, we do that. We run a full spectrum analyzer looking for any frequencies that may evolve even all the way down to the circle is lined with copper so that we can hook it up to an oscilloscope to see if there's any frequency variations. So um, you do this, you do this for like, are you doing the rituals as to investigate what's going on in the rituals? Or, you, or do you mean like you do this when you do ritual? My personal rituals, no. Um, although unless I run into a situation that I don't, understand is something different that happened in that ritual yes i drag out additional equipment and record and everything else um but when we're doing the group rituals we're all under agreement that these investigations that we're doing is to make us better mm -hmm. and for example so you're always investigating when you do when you do these group rituals correct interesting um, okay yeah everything is uh, hooked up, tested, uh, all the way down to the static field changes. Uh, we look at it as a, an opportunity to become better. Mm -hmm. And so just, and I have some of the videos released on the YouTube channel for the Medutu effect, but uh, of some of the investigations. And like one of them, uh, we found that by using the oscilloscope, uh, by measuring the frequency variations outside of the circle, we discovered that before, you know, during the calling, it's an average of 14 hertz that's radiated from the circle. After every practitioner is synced, making the quotation marks in the air, mm -hmm. uh, synced, and the circle is completed, it's always a standard 41 hertz that's being radiated from the circle. Now, the argument comes up, you know, we have these debates. Is that coming to the circle or going out? Because we don't know, right? So, so the assumption is is it's going out. Um, emphasis on assumption. Mm -hmm. um, so, with that being said, forty-one hertz is in the gamma range of the brain. So, if we're syncing up, is this uh, frequencies that we're emitting out or possibly able to receive? Uh, because that's usually in deep state meditation to reach that range. Right. So that's, that's deep, deep, though. Yeah, and that's what that's what we're investigating because uh, it's not an investigation to say you know to look for this entity or anything. It's to find hard facts of what we do because we know what we do works. Mm -hmm. There's no question about it, yeah. or else we wouldn't be doing it. The to under have a better understanding, you know, of how it works, so that you can become better you know um okay let's say like now we know time distortions do exist when you're creating a group circle we know that for a fact we have hard measurement evidence of that 
Okay, but now how can we utilize this wormhole effect on time distortions? There's some endless possibilities if you know how to utilize it. Yeah. So that bumps up to the next level of investigations. You know, now we're going to start measuring for magnetic variations. Um, we know that uh, we know for a fact uh, we've caught it on several different times. Uh, plasma electromagnetic fields are generated from circles. Mm -hmm. uh, this is oddly enough, though, it's the same plasma ion. Uh, same plasma electromagnetic fields that are created in the ionosphere when solar flares happen. So we're not sure why. Well, all, all, I can tell, all I can tell you is we have hard facts that, that it's there. Right. So, uh, so we get excited when we're doing the big rituals. Now, the some small dedications and the my personal ones or our individual personal ones. No. Okay. Um, except for one that I'm working on right now. I've been on it for six months now, and it's an experiment uh, in a process that I'm hoping to be able to release here soon. And uh, it, it, I'm finally getting somewhere with it. So now that I feel like, okay, I'm getting somewhere with the ritual, now I'll hook up the cameras. Now I can get um, uh, the air speed to see if the air changes, the static fields, um, all these different things so that I can make going deeper into it. Yeah. Um, so it's not that it's a prerequisite for the rituals, but it's something that we use to enhance the ritual. Yeah. No, I just wanted to, to clarify that because, you know, the, the way you, you, you kind of casually like, oh yeah, ritual and, and mm -hmm. da, 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 da. I'm like, so you're investigating the rituals that you're doing or you're doing rituals to investigate like right. i just i you know i wanted to to make that clear because both uh would be fascinating mm -hmm. you know um to do ritual to just as part of an investigation you know i think would be as e uh, equally fascinating as doing my regular ritual while it's being investigated to see what's going on you know and it's also it's nice to have i mean once again as practitioners we know what works what doesn't mm -hmm. work yeah. you know for us as an individual but it's also really nice to have that extra validation um that's really tangible and then you go then it never fails and this is what triggered doing this is you sit back going, okay, well, we did this and it created this, a measurable event. What if we did this? Would that change the event? And right, yeah. That's that's where the analysis starts coming into play. And uh, yeah, like I said, not every ritual is measured and tested. Yeah. But if we have an event during a ritual that really raises some questions, why did that happen? we have the test equipment to throw into play. And the flip side of that is uh, the SOTG group is not just practitioners, they're also programmers and designers so that are open-minded. So we sit around a table and the practitioners say, we had this and this and this happen. Now their gears are going, so okay, this is where we need to test for this because that would cause this. So they'll start building these Arduino boards. I just got a case downstairs uh with raspberry pi to record and re, uh to accumulate data so they that's what they work on right and we kind of fuel 
them the ideas. So how many rituals um, have you, do you have like recorded with all of this data? Um, as a group, one, two, uh, only two as a group, mm -hmm. um, as an individual, about five right now. Okay. Um, so uh, enough to see something's going on, not enough to say scientifically, like every time we do this, this is the result. Correct. Cool. Because there's been a bunch of times where I'm going, okay, well, this worked last time. We got this type of measurement. We didn't get it on the next. And this is where I turn around and go, okay, what could have influenced it outside that's natural? You yeah. Know, that's, you know, um, and not everything, even if it's being measured, even as practitioners, and even though a lot of us are experienced practitioners, we don't right, our, right away go off the rails and say, it was because of us. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, um, to give you an example, and this is what's nice to have, um, like Steve, for example, that's, he'll, he'll be downstairs. And let's say uh, there was one point in the group ritual all the IP cameras turned off right away. They were on, they're showing online, they're just not transmitted. Mm -hmm. So his immediate reaction, most people would be like, and I say most, and I mean that very loosely when they would turn around and go, well, it was the magic of the cycle. Right. Or yeah. you weren't supposed to be doing this. Now, his first reaction is to kick on, on a dual screen monitor and scan every frequency that's there that could possibly interrupt and knock out the cameras. Right. So he doesn't find one. So now he swings over. I mean, he's doing this so rapidly and he's recording everything as he's doing. So he immediately starts troubleshooting to make sure it's not something that's related, you know, to the circle itself. Right. So he's immediately debunking everything. And there's some things he right away can debunk and say that it's, you know, this is a natural event, a natural occurrence, you know, it's because of an interference because of a ground, you know, type thing, but he's got to do everything remotely because he knows he can't interfere with the ritual. So right. he literally has to have a full panel of screens around him and all this equipment that has to be set up remotely. And it's, um, I, I give him props. He's, he's extremely OCD. So it helps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But that's going to be fascinating when you have a lot of, of data, you know, a hundred rituals or however many, I mean, it have to be a high amount, but to collate all that data and start, you know, um, making connections and, you know, compiling that all and, and, you know, write a book about it and say this is what we did and this is what we found you know yeah it's it's funny you should mention that because it's actually in the process right now because as a control you want to pick a ritual that you're already familiar with mm -hmm. and so since 89 i've been doing the same identical ritual every Samhain. uh it's not a Samhain ritual it's mm -hmm. a energy type ritual because what a better time of the night to do that. Yeah. And um, uh, it went from two of us to 18 of us in Georgia to 
back and forth and sides and everything else. But I have every one of my journals uh, in very explicit detail of these. And uh, we always put a scribe in the circle. So they're recording too what they right. see. And uh, this is before, you know, granted, we had camcorders that would throw out your shoulder back then and nobody yeah. could afford them. But, yeah. uh, but the thing is, is that we actually recreate. That's the ritual that we've been testing is because we can, I had every one of the practitioners read the journals and so that they could get an understanding of how the ritual worked in the past. Right. Then we'd actually do it, but we recreate exactly how it always has been with no variances, have a scribe in there, have the, uh, the same format. So uh, we have from written documents, now we have electric, uh, digital uh, recording. Yeah that's to go you know to go along with it yeah so i've started compiling all the written and digitizing it for the book and taking the rowan's ravine uh examination that we you know investigation that we did mm -hmm. and i have that footage uh, not footage Ugh, this is a book that information in there already and i'd still have to put this last one in, and i want to continue that process so the more information we can gather, the more, like you said, the more data accumulation, we can actually start connecting dots. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not gonna, you know, satisfy a scientist. No, no one mm. in the science community is gonna be like, oh, they, they, they discovered magic, but. Um, Although in fairness, um, uh, a theoretical, what is it called? Theoretical physicist uh, that works solely on wormhole theories, and uh, he's uh, actually on board by uh, taking some of the our theories mm -hmm. and seeing if it even makes sense. Right. Um, so, and uh, just recently talked to a neurologist um, because there was actually a study done in Ontario on from a neurologist on the different brainwave patterns during meditation cycles and everything it was right. a 2016 paper so this is a local neurologist who wants to pick up that same process who examine the different frequency ranges that we're picking up so we're actually getting momentum from a mainstream scientist yeah um uh but it, once again you know once we get start getting on the brass tacks would mainstream scientists want to put their name in the book you know, yeah. because now you, you, you could weaken their credibility. Yeah, I do know on the back end, they've actually been really cooperative. But, you know, when it's actually said and done, hey, we're going to release this. I didn't know. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 No, that's fascinating. That's that's very exciting. That's very exciting. Yeah. So, we, yeah, we do what we're doing and we're trying to keep up and uh we're always trying to create new avenues for us to learn not just us born around us so like i said on the um on the youtube channel i do have several um personal ones that i did but also i have the uh the ritual examination and some other uh concepts that to give you an idea we we said about that about frequencies and we focused on that but all right, so one frame per second equals one hertz. So um, 
we kept noticing the lights would flicker during the ritual. Okay, is this a perception thing or whatnot? Then I realized that the camera never picked up any of this. Mm -hmm. Camera records at 30 frames per second. I eyes can see up to 75 if the brain's in tune. So our cameras are actually inadequate in this in that field. Mm -hmm. So um, so we're actually having cameras to being developed uh, because a cat's vision, uh, how many times you heard the story, cats staring at the wall, people were freaking out, you know, uh, <laughs> what's standing behind me. Yeah. Um, so we want that range to go from 60 to 120 and uh, for the camera so that we have that range that we're not missing the information. Right, right. Yeah, because we're, we've, you know, I, the first to admit, if it didn't happen on camera, it didn't happen at all. Right. Well, yeah. But I just had that realization that a camera speed that it's recording, which is actually, is, I say 30 frames per second, is 29.95 or 97 frames per second, mm -hmm. which equals to the hertz, which when you're looking on a monitor for evidence review and all these different things, we're missing information. And so there was actually credibility to our personal account yeah yeah so, so there's it's all these little small things that i'm having to backtrack and admit i was wrong you know in a lot of things you mm -hmm. know um here's one that it relates to what you do okay incense this is going to be a strong selling point so just take note of this yeah. uh <laughs> incense is uh small dust particles and it was a huge uh incense smoke uh, it was a huge study done in Russia, Canada, United States, how it affects electronic particles, particles because it carries the static charge with them. So when you're doing a ritual, and as I said before, we've already measured a static field. Uh, we know that the energy in the circle and outside the circle changes. So when you are burning incense, you're actually putting tracers in the air. So if a camera is there, it can actually, because these are statically charged particles, and if an entity or an aspect of an entity or energy source is in movement, that field changes. So the incense can either be attracted or repelled from it. Right. So, uh, and I have some ridiculous footage of that, and I'm hoping to release that very, very soon. Um, you know, in in some old grimoires, you have <clears throat> when it, when it's talking about um, uh, burning incense, um, about you know heaping coal, uh, uh, handfuls of incense on the coals, so the room becomes completely smoky because the entity needs that that physical matter to because you know your these entities are are non-physical beings they need to create a physical uh body temporarily and that's what all this smoke is is for so you need billowing clouds and of smoke and and handfuls of of incense just heaping heaping piles of incense on the coals to create all the smoke so these entities take that smoke and form their bodies temporarily so the the based on what we know now from our research, the incense becomes statically charged, and the entity that is there that is carrying either a 
like or opposite charge, the yeah. incense smoke is either going to collect around them or be repelled by them either way, right. creating a shape. Yeah. So, um, because there was just the other night, and I have a friend of mine who's so like the king skeptic. Everything, <clears throat> you know, he's a practitioner, but anything that's caught on film has got to be fabricated. And I showed him the footage the other night uh, uh, for one of my personal rituals that I was getting a lot of activity out of. So, of course, yeah. I'm going to the cameras, and I'm a heavy incense, you know, cloud type person. And uh, I said, whoever's here, you're more than welcome, you know, to sit with me and, you know, type thing. And um, had the chairs all set up around the room. And sure enough, you had this huge column of smoke moving from the chairs to the center of the room. And right before I go into deep meditation, uh, you can actually see my energy being transferred to the smoke. So we actually have that on multiple level, multiple footages, not just one. It's not okay. a one-off where we're going, yes. Yeah, we yeah. Have, uh, right now I have on those type footages a lot more, uh, probably in the teens right now, um, where we actually caught that same aspect, but also was able to measure the static field change. Okay. So... Um, by because you can use a static uh, detector which is just measuring differences in ions right and as that stream of smoke that form is moving by it actually will follow it as a, a beating light so you can catch it on camera to show the pattern uh, oh okay okay and the route so yeah see now uh, you know on all any of those um like on the travel channel like paranormal caught on camera or anything like that mm -hmm. if i saw any of those videos of you these videos that you're talking about i'd be like well that's faked yeah you know i'll agree because i mean i basically any magical claim paranormal claim um ufo bigfoot claim whatever i'm like it's now it's not real it's and that's not what real. that's um, what we get a lot of pride in because we are practitioners and we're trying to become better and, yeah uh, we have nothing to gain by financially because we we're just doing this independently mm. and we put it out there for other paranormal teams. We send it to them and let them scrutinize yeah. it, rip it apart. You know, it doesn't matter to us, but. But we've become so cynical, you know, mm -hmm. where it's just like, just in, enjoy the wonder. No, mm -hmm. no, it's just like, <laughs> oh no, it's baked. That's CGI, you know, um, that's well, a cap. Well, you know why this one particular ritual has been going on for so long? Because I question everything. Mm -hmm. And I had to quit doing that um, where like you have your eyes closed and you're trying to go into meditation and you hear footsteps in a room. Okay. Well, immediately you open your eyes to see, yeah, are you going to get to see something? Now you have to go back to the entire cycle again, getting relaxed and getting grounded and centered. And, you know, it, it's all these different things that kept happening that I couldn't quit trying to analyze it instead right. of just accepting it. That yeah. was going on. Yeah. And uh, so once I started accepting that these different things would happen during the ritual, um, it was uh, started moving along a lot faster, but it took me a couple of months to get break down those personal barriers. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 I long ago stopped looking over my shoulder because I know I'm not going to see anything. You know, like, you know, you're not going to see anything. 
Right. Uh, you're you're experiencing it. You're feeling it. And that's what really matters. Mm-hmm. Um, but until you realize, like, turning your head to discover isn't what is isn't the purpose of the ritual. You know what I right. mean? And actually, you're never going to see, you know, you can feel that that presence behind you. You're never going to see it. Stop looking because you're only <laughs> going to distract yourself. You know, you're in, you're going to distract yourself and you're going to take yourself out of the moments. Yeah. It, it, you know, actually adding just um, uh, in the book, in the paranormal book, I said there's two different types of people in the paranormal field, enthusiasts and there's investigators and enthusiasts want, just want the thrill. Mm-hmm. And the investigators who want the answer. And um, unfortunately, when we're doing ritual and whatnot, it's kind of the same aspect because you're an enthusiast is turning their head, hoping they're going to catch yeah. something. And for months, I was that enthusiast before I woke up and realized that, oh, no, 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 no. I am here as a ritualist. I'm here as a practitioner. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it's it's the same concept, but we also explore um, one other thing with uh, goetic practices. Uh, I have an electrical uh, engineering background. Um, so when I look at the sigils uh, for different uh, goetic demons, I don't see sigils. I see schematics. Right. Um, so, I mean, even this the front cover, the... Um, uh, I'm having to look over my shoulder because I just had a brain fart. But the uh, 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 the art Goetia, simple enough. Um, the front seal on it looks like a Cassegrainian uh, and antenna to me. So uh, the large satellite dish. Uh, so when I'm looking at these different things, and then I show it to the programmers, they agree this is what they Wait, look which, like. Which sigil is on the cover? Is it the um, the seal that uh, was on the brazen vessel? I believe so. Okay. Um, it's... Hold on. I'm going to have to... I had to reach for the book. Uh, but... It's, so... Yeah. Yeah, so it's uh, it looks identical to a, a Cassegrain uh, dish, and right. so when I'm going through some of these designs with the yeah the the programmers and the uh, electronics engineers people, they they are not practitioners by any measure. Right, uh, I think it's neat stuff. Mm-hmm. You know. So we'll just. Uh, I should have done that in air quotations that can't be seen. But anyway, the um, they look at some of the sigils and whatnot, and they go, "Oh, well, that's an amplifier. That's an induction coil. That's a ground. That's well, that's where the positive and negative lead." Oh, look, there's a speaker. I'm like, uh, "Can you?" So it's nice. Nice. Once we go back to perspective, going full circle, they look at it as schematics. And so they actually, they want to recreate some of these in schematics just to see if it works. Right. Because it's like uh, uh, Aaron said, he goes, it may just fizzle and start smoking and, you know, it does nothing. But he goes, I'd like to try a couple of these. If you don't try, you're you're not going to know unless you try, you know, and that's that's pretty much my model for motto for 
anything is, you know, I, I don't know unless I try. So let's find out. But yeah, it's What's the worst uh, that can happen. Yeah, no, <laughs> right into yeah. a black hole. Yeah. Uh, but you know, there's um, it's just really interesting to see their perspective on these type of sigils, and I won't let them read the write up because I don't want to skew their opinion of it. Right, right. So, but they're uh, but they do look like a, a lot of um, and I mean, you know, there's different styles for sigils, but you know, uh, you look at at um. The Goisha and a lot of the sigils, like they look like, um, well, as you say, schematics. But mm -hmm. you know, I, I think lay people, I you know, would think like like a circuit board, you know, right. or, or yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. It, it kind of makes you wonder. It's kind of like, is there something? There is. There, are there layers to to these sigils that we just don't? no yet I, that's a that's a huge question because i've been asking that um because now i'm looking at more and more sigils in a three-dimensional model um uh you know hearing these guys talk about you know creating schematics you know actual circuit boards by using these um you know it's it's interesting because i think we're i'm gonna say covid's been good to this aspect mm -hmm. is that more and more practitioners are thinking outside the box rather yes. than the black and white and yeah. because they're having to self-reflect and they're reaching out and communicating more via uh not social keyboard warrior nonsense i mean through having video meetings with each other and right. uh, they normally would not have the opportunity to do and i think we're um as a collective um for practitioners in general uh i think we're on a um <laughs> we're almost becoming the uh the elon musk of um the magical world because a lot of practitioners that i've talked to have been thinking extremely outside the box sure. and uh taking not just not only risks but uh going beyond the black and white of pages and right uh, and they're still using that as a confirmation but it's nice to see that people are kind of getting away from the gatekeepers mm -hmm. um getting away from the well my bloodline says yeah. you know um trying to become more yeah. self-identified mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so it's uh and through self-identification you start exploring new possibilities yeah and so i think that would be uh I think it's great personally. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, the documentary Hellier. No, I have not. Oh, you need to check it out. There's there's two seasons of it. Um, it's these um paranormal investigators that um oh it, it's it Hellier is hard to explain because it becomes so convoluted and and so layered, but they they start by investigating claims of goblins in Kentucky and it just, it just go, I, I can't explain it, but anyways, it's great. And, but it made me rethink everything about multi-dimensions and UFOs and aliens and, and da, 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 da. Um, Cause I've, I've no, 
I have no doubt that aliens exist on other planets. I mean, this universe is massive. Right. I'm not so egotistical to think mm -hmm. that humans are the only intelligent life in this universe. I don't believe that aliens have ever gone from planet A to planet Earth mm -hmm. for a visit. Um, in the Star Trek way, like where you have to travel through space or in the um, Star Wars way where they're like jumping or right. Star Galactica where they're jumping, you know, folding space or traveling through wormholes or, or, or whatever. I don't believe any of that. So all of these UFO claims and sightings, da 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 da. I just, I just kind of at the end of the day was like, they're not UFOs from another planet. Um, Bigfoot, anything like that, and like, uh, they're either like you know Bigfoot's uh, an undiscovered creature, normal creature on Earth, or it's like an astral creature but there's holes to thinking that it's an astral energy um but it was just it was easy to just it's either this or that you know it's it, right done done i i put i put them in 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 the boxes i needed to put them in and then hellier came around and it just made me rethink everything um and so I've just been questioning my previous perceptions and beliefs and opinions, mm -hmm. um, reevaluating them and exploring different. And this COVID is absolutely the time to do it because I just, as busy as I am with work, mm -hmm. I still have more downtime because I'm not working 24 hours a day. You know, right. like even if, on my busiest when I'm working 12 hours a day, well, there's still a few hours to the day where I can read or, or reflect or whatever. And because of that, because of Hellier and all of this extra time, I just completely revamped my entire belief system of the cosmos and the universe and the multiverse. And it was, it, it was a, a complete renewal. And, and to me, it makes more sense than, than my previous opinions. It's, so I, I'm sitting here now being like, how did I ever think that way? Like, that makes no sense. You know, like, this is so obvious. Um, True. That's, but that's COVID. That's COVID. Yeah. I mean, I'm not downplaying the seriousness or the tragedy of COVID in any way, shape, or form, because it's been completely tragic. Um, but there's a shift, mm -hmm. you know, in society, um, well, in, in Western society, there's, there's a shift and it's going to be interesting to see what a post COVID world's going to look like. Oh, without a doubt. Mm -hmm. Take a quick break for one second. Oh, uh, like, like a break break. Do you need yeah. me to pause? Uh, just okay. like, okay, well, I'm just going to hit pause. Okay. Perfect. So, but getting to that with, you know, because people before COVID were already having um, new theories, new ideas and whatnot, but the occupancy of the day-by-day -day life was, you know, I wouldn't say interfering, but creating a distraction. And then during 
these isolation days. We won't even say COVID. We'll just call it isolation days. Mm -hmm. um, to give you an idea, the very experience. I'm gonna call her. I love this woman to death. Uh, but she's she's an old crone, and she's amazing individual. So, remember what about four or five years ago they finally discovered. Um, it's about five years ago now. Uh, discovered that gravitational waves, Einstein's theory, was true. So mm -hmm. There's this quick blip of a time distortion that could happen. So she says, what about this thought? You know how many times you walked into a room, you swore you put your keys there, and then you come back and the keys are no longer there. And a lot of people call it paranormal. What if after the entire time this was gravitational waves creating a brief time distortion that the keys were moved somewhere else. And, and she goes, I'm not saying that's what it is. I'm just saying, you know, it's kind of interesting. Well, that's a thought process that's evolving. And, you know, we're applying, you know, whether or not that could physically happen, but we're still considering other avenues. Uh, we're applying modern sciences to our traditional sciences. Mm -hmm. And, um uh when i did the interview with uh louis valencia she's amazing individual but she said we we're becoming more techno majors because we're combining our sciences with uh, what we already knew as our existing sciences and whether conventional science accepts us or not doesn't matter it's our own individual way Absolutely. of looking at things yeah but uh it's i find it absolutely fascinating that more and more people are looking at it that way versus i had a ghost and he's been in my house and he keeps messing with my kids yeah you know yeah. so you know it could be but you know it, there's also those a plethora of other explanations of people and you know it's funny I was, i'm just fixing it i just had a revelation you know as many people outside the practicing community are not open to what we do we're just as guilty as being, you know, saying what we do is inside our community and I don't accept outside, you know, the sciences, you know, we won't cross that boundary mm -hmm. by combining it or embracing it as a possible explanation. And if we accept it as a possible explanation, explanation, wow, um, we, uh, we're, we're only going to become better because now we can apply a different form of magic and utilize this new tool that we have in our arsenal. You know, it's, I just realized that, you know, I'm always saying that how people can't grasp it, what we do. And it's sometimes it's the same way inside our own circles. We oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, but, we have, we have our own biases and I think too, like, because magic isn't, um, accepted by by mainstream science i think we also become a little bit jaded as well you know about it you know and uh close and as a result of that you know being being jaded um because you know we're just completely dismissed that that we're just like okay well mainstream science like we we, we have no connection to mainstream science there's no there's no overlap, there's no working together, you know? So no, we, we definitely exist in our own biases. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I'm a firm believer there is a place, even though I said, you know, we educate and whatnot, there is time and place for the law of Hathor. 
you know, keeping the silence. But, yeah. but uh, you know, as far as, you know, the generalized explanation of things. So, but it's also, I think it also applies to what we're just talking about geographically and social interactions of that environment. Because I grew up in the South, you dare not, it, it, if you're a practitioner, gay or black, that was out of the questions. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, so it was, and to be socially accepted, you know, you had to pretend to be someone else. Yeah. And because uh, your life could literally depend on it. There was yeah, a, absolutely. Absolutely. There was a, a coven that was beat to the beat to a pulp in Forsyth County. This is in the 80s. They thought they were far enough off the road that they couldn't be seen and they were spotted and a bunch of guys in pickup trucks, you know the label, yeah. uh, uh, come pulling in and literally beat them to a pulp. It was a hand yeah. fasting ceremony. Oh, jeez. Um, so, you know, that was the, the crowds that I I grew up around. It's, no, it's surprising that how open I am in where I'm at. Yeah, but I've ever since I moved here, I've just noticed uh, Canadians in general are, well, the stereotyping is true to some oh, aspects. Our, wait, hold on a sec. My screen just completely froze. Oh, so I don't know if. I mean, I can still hear you. I no. can't even. I can't even move my mouse. Uh -oh. uh, Okay. Well, just keep talking because I mean, no one cares about what we look like anyway. <laughs> so just keep talking and maybe it'll unfreeze um, at some point. I don't know. I don't know. But you're looking happy and I'm looking pissed off. But I mean, I always look pissed off because of my eyebrows anyways. So whatever. Um, and maybe at some point we'll unfreeze. But no, it's um, when you know, it's surprising that, you know, because when I came up here to Canada, you know, it's like even something as simple as my tattoos, my arms are tattooed with the, uh, with uh, Celestrium tech um, on my arms. And uh, down there, I had to keep them covered up. Yeah. Wow. I, I, yeah, I had to wear long sleeves or whatnot, because, you know, you know, you're one of them devil worshippers, we're going to get you, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, uh, so up here, I'm walking down the street like the first week I'm here and my my arms are, are exposed and some little old lady says, oh, I love your tattoos. <laughs> Culture shock. <laughs> that's funny. Well, that's so, that's us Canadians for you. Yeah, I always thought the stereotype was not true, but yeah, it is true. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, for the most part, for the most part. Yeah. Um, yeah um okay sorry i'm just a little distracted because i'm trying to see if i can because now what i'm also concerned about is i can't even like end this conversation like oh, the no. video and if i can't end the video how am i going to i i don't know i don't know what if um uh, i'm just asking is uh if i when i click leave Will it save it that way? Well, it, I, I, like it saves once I stop the, the, oh. the, 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 the meeting. Um, and I'm, 
I'm trying to force stop it and it's not working. So I don't know what's going to happen to this video, to be perfectly honest. Well, maybe that's uh, the sign of the whatever the universe saying, well, we should wrap this up. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe it's the government saying they're, they can't talk about this. Yeah, I, hey, I'm the firm believer in that. I'm sorry, I'm about every conspiracy theory known to mankind. Oh, I am so not a conspiracy theorist at all. At after being, all. That, is, that is not my, that's not my jam. After being in the United States Air Force, I question everything. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, this sucks. Okay, well, yeah, me, I guess let's. Well, we've been at it for two and a half hours, so it's not like if if I can save this video, it's still going to make for a good podcast because it has been two and a half hours. So, um, let yeah, so let's just um, call it an episode. Okay. Um, okay, so before we leave, mm-hmm. uh, let the listeners know, and I'm going to put all of these links in the show notes anyway so you know everyone will be able to um uh go you know to your links and website and and where you want to direct them but just let the listeners know where they find you the madutu effect all of that well let's see the main website which has all the links to go everywhere which is at madutu.ca and um on facebook you can find us at uh, facebook.com house medutu and we're on instagram uh which is just all one word the medutu effect and um that's pretty so the best route so we have the youtube channel but we have it integrated embedded into the website so you can go either or um uh so it's um and then every other link that i mentioned before with the sotg group uh mm-hmm the shops everything's off the medicu.ca but uh for fun and antics go to the facebook one <laughs> perfect all right well matt this was fun and it was great to catch up with you as well oh yeah um, so thank you so much for doing the podcast and uh for the listeners thank you for listening and if you want to um follow the lux files um uh, there's, I'm on, uh, Twitter. Um, I don't have a, a Lux files, Instagram. That's with my Lalo Gonzalez Instagram. But, uh, if you want to follow me, Lalo Gonzalez, the Lux files, uh, you can go to lalogonzalez.com slash links. That's going to give you all the links to the YouTube. Um, there's, well, that's my website as well. Uh, and all the links to the social media. So, um, and again, I'm going to have this all in the show notes for the viewers and the listeners anyways. So Matt, you have yourself a good night and uh, we'll talk soon. Always an honor and always a pleasure. Okay. Thanks, Matt. Have a good night. You too.